Welcome to Parkview. I'm glad to have you here. Welcome to you on the internet. Glad to have you joining us. Um, full house here today because the Bears at noon. All right, good. Welcome, you guys. We're glad you're here. All right. Got a quarterback back. We'll see how it goes. Um, it, it, it's, it, we're tra- talking honestly about this why thing, and this is the last week to do it, so I'll hit that in a second. Yeah, keep moving in if you can because we really are packing them in here today. Uh, I, I, before we get into that, first thing I need to do is uh, tell you that last weekend we had 401 people get baptized all together, and that is awesome. And I hope it was you. And, and so here's the deal. At the end of the service, I'm going to jump in and we're going to do some more. We had 15 come back again last night and do it at the 345 service. So if you want to do it, uh, there's a table in the back back there. They'll sign you up. Just go back there during communion or whatever, and uh, we'll get you signed up. We'll get you ready to go, and we'll do it. And I'll stay here, and we'll do it. I mean, last week we did it after the 9 o'clock service right up until the 11 o'clock service. It was amazing. So whatever happens, we're ready for you. All right? And let me say to you watching on the Internet, uh, if you want to get baptized and you're in our area and you want to you want to hook up and talk to us, we'd love to we'd love to talk to you. Just shoot us something on the on the email and we'd love to get connected with you. And if you're not, go find a church, man. Get involved. Find somebody that that, that wants to baptize you. We we think that's really important. We had a lot of people do it this weekend. Second thing is it's Veterans Day, and I like to. I mean, Debbie mentioned it already, but could we just have you stand if you have served? Because we want to really recognize you. It's an important. No, no, stand up. Come on, come on. If you're a veteran, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We, we appreciate you. It's not a day off. It's, it's, a, it's a day we appreciate you. We want to tell you that. Um, next, uh, coming up next weekend, we've got a class for you, too. One more thing. If you're interested in knowing how the generations work together, Hayden Shaw, who is uh, one of our adjunct pastors here and a professional business speaker, has written a book on how the generations work together. And if you're sitting there going, you know what? I do not understand my dad. I do not understand my kid. It's, it's kind of normal, but there's some pretty good research he's done, and it would be a great thing for you, especially spiritually speaking, to understand those other people that you're around. All right, so why? More why questions. Uh, why, uh, you know, what, more questions in general. Like, if a turtle loses his shell, is he naked or is he homeless? Somebody sent me that. That's a good question. If you choke a Smurf, what color does he become? If a man speaks in the forest and there is no woman to hear him, is he still wrong? I guess so. Kelly uh, sent me this one. The, the new ultimate food. Bacon tacos, ladies and gentlemen. Take two wonderful foods and put them together. And, and, okay, just one more. Uh, why is my backup better than your backup? I had to throw that in there. Yeah, I just, yeah. This is a... This is, a, this is a hard one today. I've got to admit to you, it's not easy to talk about suffering. This is a question that we've all asked from time to time. Why is there suffering in the world? And obviously with this huge, huge storm going on in the Philippines, if you're following the news, I mean, this is a perfect topic to be talking about. Why are thousands of people going to die from this superstorm in the Philippines and in that region? Well, why is the world so messed up? What's going on? And, and so often it's because there's a question deep inside of us that wants an answer to that. Philip Yancey wrote it this way. He said, every time we ask this question, we're really asking three questions. We're asking, God, are you there? God, do you care? And God, can you do anything about it? It's a very important question to consider. And what I'm going to tell you is, is what I can help you with information is only going to help you to a certain degree. Because at some point, there's going to be a suffering in your life, and having the answers to this question is not enough. 
C.S. Lewis was one of my favorite writers. You hear me quote from him all the time. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia guy, you know, but, but he also did a lot of important work. He was a Cambridge professor of literature. He wrote a book called The Problem of Pain which he covered a lot of the things that I'm going to cover in this message today. And it was a really, really good book. And then he met a woman named Joy. And he fell in love with this woman named Joy. And she had cancer. And they actually got married on their, on her, in her hospital room as she was, as she was suffering from cancer. And, and she got better, went into remission. And they had a couple of wonderful years of marriage together. And then, as many of you well know, the cancer came roaring, racing back. And, uh, and was threatening her life again. And, and C.S. Lewis said he cried out to God, and he cried out to joy not to leave him, and he did everything he could possibly think of, and his faith was strong, and yet she died. And he was devastated. He was so devastated that his next book he wrote anonymously because he didn't want people to know that it was the same guy, that it was this Christian author that wrote the book, A Grief Observed. And in a grief observed, even though he had all the answers, he just basically wrote about how raw and how honest and how horrible it was to go through what was going on, how he couldn't get up in the morning, how he didn't believe that God was even there sometimes. And in the book, he, he, he writes this, and again, he wrote it anonymously, but he wrote it later on, you know, we know who he was. Where is God in all this? You go to him when your need is desperate and all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and the sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, nothing but silence. Now Lewis would go on to write a book on prayer. He would go on to write many more books. He would go on to understand how to get through it. I just wanted to bring that out to you because what I tell you is answers are not really going to matter when you're in the middle of it. And if you're in the middle of it right now, I just want you to know that I'm not going to just try to give you a bunch of Bible verses and say, I hope it all gets better. I do care about what's going on in your life. And you're going to care about it when there's pain in my life. But sometimes the answers are not up here. The answers can only come from down here. And that's where I hope you get today. So whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening to you right now, it's a messed up world, and I know that you're going to go back out to that messed up world. All right? Have a nice day, you know? So how do you survive it? That's what we want to know. And the first thing you need to know is it's okay to ask why. Jesus asked why from the cross. I mention that all the time because I think that's really important, that Jesus is on the cross, he knows the answer why, and yet he still says, God, why? Why have you forsaken me? Why? So it's okay for us. It's okay for you to walk in here and not put on your fake plastic Christian smile and think that everything, you know, you're supposed to be fine. How are you doing? Fine. I'm fine. How are you doing? Fine. It doesn't have to be like that. It's okay if you're in pain. I also want to tell you that I'm not in a place of deep pain right now. I would be honest with you, and I'm not. We've had kids in intensive care, but they made it. We've had marital issues, but we're good. We've had financial setbacks, but we're good. My life is blessed. And if I got up here and tried to make it sound like, oh, yeah, I feel your pain, you would just think I was a whiner because your problem's could be tougher than mine right now. I want to admit that to you. So let's start here. Let's start with a good God. So I give you the head answers, and hopefully the hard answers will sink in along the way. And you have to start with a good God. Okay? God does not, the Bible says, willingly bring a storm to the Philippines, or cancer, or affliction, or grief to the children of men. He does not willingly make that happen. 
One theologian wrote after the disaster in Connecticut, the mass shooting in Connecticut last year, he wrote, you can only protest against the evil in the world if you believe in a good God. Think about this. Otherwise, the protest doesn't make sense. So start with that. If you're crying out to God because of the pain, because of the suffering that's going on in your life, you can't cry out to God unless you think he's good. And if you're crying out to God and you think he's good, you're in the right place. And he doesn't want this to be going on in your life. I know this. So let's assume God is good. Why? I'll give you four reasons why, and then I'll help you deal with the rest of it from there. The first one is, some suffering is simply a result of our own choices. Can we just be honest? I mean, it's like this ski slope sign. Caution, the trees don't move. <clears throat> All right? P- please, please don't run into the tree because it's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter if you really believe in God or not. If you run into the tree, it's not going to feel good. All right? If you get in an accident because you're texting while driving, that's not God's fault. Get Siri and stop it, Okay? If you're doing things to yourself that are causing you pain, then stop it. <laughs> a woman saw a little old man rocking on the porch one day. She walked up to him. She said, well, you just look so happy. Tell me the secret to your happiness. And the guy looked at her. He said, I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. I drink a case of whiskey a week. I eat fatty foods, and I never, ever exercise. She said, wow, that's amazing. How old are you? He said, 26. Just, just, just deal with it. Some of the stuff, some of the suffering in our life, it's, it's my bad. Okay. Number two, some of the suffering in our life is the result of other people's choices. Other people's choices. If someone else is texting and driving and they hit you, that's not God's fault and it's not your fault. It's their fault. It's still their choice. It's a choice that somebody else else makes. And you could say, well, why didn't God stop that? And we can always do that. But sometimes it's because somebody else made a choice. And a lot of the major problems in the world, I mean, you, some, sometimes people are like, oh, you know, how could there be a good God if there's famine in Africa? And my answer is, why is there famine in Africa? We have enough food on the planet. God gave us plenty of food. Why aren't we sharing with the people who don't have food? Let's not even go back to the causes of why and the European colonization and the things that happened way back in the day that caused everything to be where it is in the first place. Let's just fix it right now. We can do this. We have the choice. And people ask me that, and I say, you know what? Some, some of the suffering is our choice. Some of the suffering is other people's choice. And here's the one I've got to emphasize. Some suffering is the result of satanic attack. I mean, I don't know why more people don't blame Satan when, instead of blaming God. And a friend told me that this week, and I agree with him. I, why is it that we don't blame him? I mean, we see throughout the Bible over and over again, Job, who's the, the most famous suffering story in the Bible, if you know the Bible very well, is Job. He, he lost all his family. He, he went bankrupt. He was sick all in like a matter of an hour. All these things happened. And why was that? It was a satanic attack. God allowed it. I don't know why God allowed it, but, but it was a satanic attack. And, and, and that's what I understand about these things is that, you know, God doesn't cause, he permits things to happen, but it's Satan that is at the root of all the evil. And that's how that's supposed to work. Sometimes he is responsible. Jesus said uh, he healed a woman on the Sabbath and they were mad at him. And he said, should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who's, whom Satan has kept bound... For 18 long years, should she not be set free on the Sabbath day? I mean, he's blaming it right there. 
In John 10, he says, the thief, the devil, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what happens. It, a lot of suffering is from Satan. And then ultimately, that makes the fourth one kind of the same. But most of the world's problems are because the world is fallen. Because of the curse. Because we live in a place where things aren't where they ought to be. Which is why, again, Philip Yancey says, don't confuse life with God. God doesn't want this to be the way it is. In Romans, Paul says, against its will, everything on earth was subjected to God's curse. Why? Because we brought sin into the world. If you were here for Christmas Eve, that was the whole thing that I talked about. We ate the tree, we ate the apple off the tree, and we brought sin into the world, and that brought the curse. And all creation is anticipating the day when it will join in God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. We're looking forward to that, but unfortunately that's where we live, in death and decay. And we know that all creation is groaning, I like that word, as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. If you're suffering right now, if you're groaning, it's because that we're waiting for that thing to happen. We're waiting for death and decay to be taken care of. When Adam and Eve came, they brought pollution. When they sinned, they brought pollution. They brought death. They brought decay. These things all came in. There's a, there's a verse in Romans that we read a lot about Jesus, but we kind of skip over the first part, so I'm just going to stop at the first part. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way came to all people because all sinned, and then the rest of the verse is, life came through one man, Jesus. And that's the verse we like to camp out on. And that's the important part of Romans 5.12. But, but see where it came from. It came from the sin that Adam and Eve brought into the world. My friend Rick Ashley preaches at a church down in Fort Worth, Texas. And he was watching the news of, an, of a Mexico earthquake. And because he was in Texas, it was a, an affiliate station. And they were getting a news feed, a live news feed, from an affiliate in uh, Mexico. And it was feeding up these images from Mexico to, to Fort Worth where he was watching this horrible devastation just like we're watching in the Philippines. And he's watching it. And down in the bottom corner it said, Courtesy of Sin, which was the Spanish International Network. He said, that, that couldn't have been more true. Not those people's sin, our collective sin. You understand? Now, now, what people are going to always ask me is, well, why did God allow that tree to be there? Why did God allow that to happen? And it's called freedom of choice. If there's not a freedom to obey or disobey God, then we're little robots. We're little pets. That's all we are. God wanted us to be children, so He gave us freedom of choice. Again, the best theological movie for this, if you ever need a little bit of help, is Bruce Almighty. I'm not going to show you a clip today, but, 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 but there's, a, there's, you know, Morgan Freeman's God. Bruce Almighty gets to be God for a, a little while. Bruce does. Jim Carrey does. And, and if you remember the movie, there's a scene where he's trying to get Jennifer Aniston, his, his, his wife, to love him back again. And, and he's able to have power to do all these amazing things. But there's this one scene where, where he's just so frustrated with her. He goes to her school to visit her, and he's so frustrated with her, and he, and he tries to be God, and he says, Just love me! That was pretty good, Jim Carrey, wasn't it? Just love me. I have a big mouth. Love me. And, and, and nothing happens. And he goes back to God, and God says, Look, Bruce, if you want to be God, you can't mess with free will. Love can't happen without free will. So God gave us free will. He gave us freedom of choice. And we chose to walk away. 
And now we live in the place where the Bible says the rain falls on the unjust and the just. I mean, I prayed for my missionary friends in the Philippines in the green room today, but, but, but the same storm's going to hit everybody. Okay. The same knife that cuts bread will cut your finger. Again, if I decide to step off the roof while I'm putting up my Christmas lights, gravity's going to work the same in my life as it works in everybody else's life. Tornadoes are going to hit churches and adult bookstores. Okay? This is a cursed place that we live. And I believe that a big pile of the things that happen as a way of suffering are because we live in a cursed world. Jesus even told us. It's one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible, but I'm just going to read you the discouraging first part right now. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Have a nice day. So here's the problem. Those are, those are the why answers. And, you know, I, I mean, again, it's not, if, you're not, if you're not going through it right now, just click that back because sometime you're going to be going through it. The problem is somebody told me this one time, and I thought it was really good. Even if you do get the why question answered, you still have the what, don't you? You know, even if you get an answer, even, even, when, even when God told Jesus from the cross, hey, here's why I've forsaken you. It's because you have the sins of the world on. You know that. He still has the what? He's still on the cross. Even though Paul goes to God and says, well, God, why can't you take away this health problem that I have, this thorn in the flesh? And God says, it's because I want my, my strength to be perfected in your weakness. Even though he gets an answer, he still has the what? And even I could give you all the answers all day long of why you've got the problems that are going on in your life, but at some point you've got to deal with the what. So here's a couple of what things for you, all right? We've got the why things. Let's talk about the what things. Number one, remember that you are not alone. Remember that you are not alone. It may feel like this picture here, like the next emergency phone is 174 kilometers away. Like, man, there's nobody around me. There is nobody that can help me. What's going on around here? It may feel like that, but it's not true. In John 14, Jesus promised that when he went away, the Comforter would come, the Holy Spirit would come, and he would be with us, and he would help us. And those of you that have gone through intense suffering and have cried out to God, you know that to be true. That, that, yeah, there are problems that we can't understand, but there's also what the Bible says is a peace that passes all understanding. And I've seen it and I've had it in my life. I can tell you. Those times, times when I had a kindergartner in Lauren, our middle child was in pediatric intensive care at Christmas, and she had a very serious issue. And kids were dying in the pediatric intensive care. And I had this peace that came from a place that I couldn't understand. And you know the same thing. When those things are going on in your life, I've, I've, I've done too many funerals for babies. I can't imagine losing a child. I feel like if I were to lose a child, I would, I would curl up in the fetal position and never be able to recover. And so do you. But I've seen those people and I've seen the strength in their, in their life. And I've seen how God is able to come in Nobody would want that to happen. I see my friend Lonnie, our pastoral care minister, who's in a wheelchair and has been for a long, long time. You're going to hear his testimony on video at the end of this. I see him and I see how he struggles and I see how he goes around. And is there a more encouraging guy on the face of the planet than Pastor Lonnie? No. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? That, that comes from the Holy Spirit. I was in Rwanda, yeah, most of you know that. I was in Rwanda where half of the people were displaced, where one-tenth of the, of, the, of the country was murdered by their neighbors. 
I was in the homes of people who, uh, this one lady was three months pregnant when the, when the genocide happened. She was three months pregnant, had three kids. And her neighbors came and killed her husband. And she was able to escape. And she ran uh, to a, a safe place and there was one safe passage out and she walked for 13 hours pregnant with her three kids to get to safety. I mean, you talk to those people. And again, I was there with Rick Warren. Why was Rick Warren there? Because he had just lost his son to suicide. And he wanted to go share the grief and the pain with the people who understood the grief and the pain. And he wanted to go minister to them. But really, he wanted them to minister to him. Because there's something about it that just nobody else can understand. I I reread the sermon that he preached their first weekend back, him and Kay. There were a couple of scriptures in there I thought were really important. Isaiah 43, they quoted, When you go through the deep waters, these are some of the scriptures that they held on to. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned up. It will not consume you. That's a promise from God. In the New Testament, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. Back in Isaiah, God says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast or the child she has born? Even if it were possible, I will never forget you, God says. Look, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. That's how much He cares for you. You just got to understand that, that, that you have the ability to do more than you could possibly imagine. You have to understand that God working inside of you is better than you could possibly ever imagine. Understand that. The second thing is pain can serve a purpose. And I just say that uh, it can serve a purpose. Sure, it can serve a purpose. Absolutely. Can I say this in my sermon? Yeah, I can. It's my sermon. Here, here's what I want to tell you. If I'm a kid, I'm like two years old, and I touch the stove, and it burns my hand, I learn a lesson. By the time I'm three years old, I should know not to touch a stove. If you're 34 years old and you're still touching stoves, you've got a problem. <laughs> so part of, the, part of the reason for pain and suffering is to teach us not to do the things that get us in that place in the first place. So if I can go back to number one and talk about the reasons that we get ourselves in trouble sometimes, it's because of the things that we do to ourselves. But there's a secondary purpose to pain as well, a, a consequence of what goes on in pain. And, and even if it, the suffering is somebody else's choice or it's just a fallen world or it's Satan or whatever, suffering can help you to grow as a believer. John Orberg did a massive study and he asked people, when do you grow the most as a Christian? And he, you know, he threw out a lot of choices. You know, is it, is it when you're at a sermon? Is it Bible study? Is it prayer? Is it your small group together? What is it? Overwhelmingly, he was surprised. The answer was pain. The times that I've grown most in my life are when I've suffered. It's when I've been down. Understand that, that there's, a, there's a value to what's going on, even in your life, even though I don't believe God caused it. We talked about discipline a couple of weeks ago in the Hosea series. If you want to go back and talk about that, maybe he did. But I think most of the time, it's just this fallen world. And if you want to go back, if you want to understand what's going on, I can't tell you. But I can understand that God is going to make something good come from it. Tim Keller wrote, I learned that just as many people find God through affliction and suffering, they find that adversity moves them towards God rather than away from God. He's writing about people who complain about the fact that people leave God when they're suffering. He said, I find just as many people turn towards God. Troubled times awaken for them, awaken them out of their haunted sleep of spiritual self-sufficiency into a serious search for the divine. 
Suffering plants the flag of truth within the fortress of a rebel soul. It is an exaggeration to say that no one finds God unless suffering comes into their lives. But it is not a big one. When pain and suffering come upon us, we finally see not only that that we are not in control of our lives, but that we really never were. In Romans, Paul says, he says, um, we too wait anxiously for that day when God will give us our new bodies and our full righteous sons. And in the meantime, this is the part of the verse you know. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We, we know that in the meantime. Now that's an after verse. It's not a very comforting during verse. It's not, it's not a cool verse to go up to somebody who's in the middle of it and go, you know what, God's going to make something good out of this. And that's my, my problem with this is it's hard for me to preach right now and go, you know what, at the end you're going to look back. This is an afterthought. This is an after verse. That God will bring good from this. Good things will happen. And at some point, we'll be able to get to the point where James says, consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Bob Benson wrote, one of my favorite writers, he wrote about a friend who had a heart attack. I've, I've told this before. It's a perfect illustration for this. He had a friend who had a heart attack, and, and he got a quiet moment with him, and he said, so tell me, Joe, how'd you like your heart attack? And Joe's like, it scared me to death almost. He said, well, would you do it again? Joe said, No. You crazy? Would you recommend it? Definitely not. Bob said, well, let me ask you something. Does your life mean more to you now than it ever has before? Well, yeah. Do you and your wife have a closer marriage than you've ever had before? Yes. Do you have a new compassion for people and the suffering that they're going through than you've ever had before? Yeah, I do. Do you know a richer fellowship with Jesus than you ever thought could be possible? Yes, I do. Well, let me ask you, Joe, how'd you like your heart attack? Benson concluded, neither he or I would tell you that, you know, we want anybody to go have a heart attack. But there is a majesty in the process, he wrote. And sometimes good has to shine, can only shine really brightly when it's contrasted with the darkness. So understand that. The third thing is that Jesus suffered too. Okay, uh, it's really important. I mean, we you know we're getting ready for Christmas time, and we'll talk about the incarnation. We'll talk about Jesus coming down to earth, and why would he come down to earth as a baby? He didn't have to. Theologically speaking, as a professional theologian, as far as I can tell, the only thing that Jesus needed to do was to come down to earth, die for our sins, rise again, and go back to heaven. That's all he needed to do. Theologically speaking to take care of the sin, he did not have to live here for 33 years first. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to understand us. And he wanted us to know that we we had somebody in him that could understand us. Hebrews says it this way, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just like we. We have one who has suffered just like we. I mean, if he's going to be our high priest, remember that whole idea, we need to know that he's been where we live. That, that may be one of the important things about a long-term ministry. I've been here at this church for almost 24 years. I've been here longer than almost any of you. And one of the things you know is, I know where you live, 
I'm married. I've got kids. I, 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 you know, I, I went through the Lincoln Way school system. I, I'm a person that lives here. So if I'm going to be your spiritual leader, you're like, okay, well, that guy can relate to me. That guy, I mean, at least he knows where I'm at. I mean, not a big Cubs fan, but he knows where I'm at, you know? <laughs> Almost knows where I'm at. Okay? That's the important thing about Jesus. He came down and he lived as one of us for 33 years so that, so that he could get it. So what we're going to do, you may have noticed the crosses as you walked in and some notes around the bottom of them. We've got some in the balcony on your way out too. you got a piece of paper in the front of you in the chair back, just a blank piece of paper. What I'd like for you to do as you're leaving, and, and we're going to do baptisms. If you want to get baptized, go back there and come up, and we'll do baptisms after the service. But for everybody else, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to write down your suffering. Write down whatever it is that you need prayed for. And leave it at the cross. Stop by one of the crosses on your way and leave it there. And we're going to pray for you. Uh, our, our elders, our staff, our prayer team, we're all going to pray for you. And we're going to be high tech about it. Uh, we've got a Facebook page opened up on our Facebook page for you to be able to go on there and write your suffering, your needs, and they will get prayed for. And here's how you'll know they're getting prayed for. It's kind of weird, but it's the only way we could think of it you'll know it got prayed for when there's a like on it. Don't misinterpret. We don't like your suffering. Okay? But that's the only way we could figure out how to mark it. If you get a, when, you see, when you look back on this page and you see a like, you're going to know that you've been prayed for. And I can assure you that all of these will be prayed for, wherever they are, if you leave them at the cross or if they're on Facebook. And then you got a little rub-on rub tattoo. Um, it's just a fish with Jesus' name in Greek, ekthus. And what, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to leave your burden and take Jesus. And put him on somewhere. I mean, even if you're against tattoos, put it in your wallet. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Just, just put it somewhere close to you so that you can know that Jesus understands what's going on in your life. That he knows everything that's happening. And understand that he is strong enough to help you and to give you power. Okay? Here's the rest of that verse. I told you it's the most encouraging verse in the Bible, and I only read you the bad part, right? He, he starts this verse by saying, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That's kind of weird, right? Hey, have a peace day, right? In this world you will have trouble. Well, you've got to get to the end of the verse. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. That's why I want you to put the tattoo on. Take heart. Leave your burden here. Take heart because I have overcome the world. I understand your suffering. I understand where you're at. And I have the power to help you with your suffering. And I, I got to this point in my sermon and I thought, well, this is a really tough sermon and a really heavy sermon and it's probably inappropriate, but it doesn't matter because I'm me and I'm going to show this video. And... Um, and this is just my favorite video for helping you understand that you have the power of Jesus living in your life. It's the guy on the buffalo. I should have got buffalo tattoos. Maybe that would have made it better. 
I, I don't know why. Hey, bet you, hey, bear, bet you didn't know. You're chasing a guy on a buffalo. That, that, that's what you need to understand about the suffering that's going on in your life. Hey, Satan, I bet you didn't know. I've got power living in me. I've got power to make this happen. I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And what I want to encourage you to do when the suffering and the pain is in your life and it's chasing you and it's that bear is to turn around today and face it. And go, hey, bear, I'm on a buffalo. I know it's deep. I know, I know it's hard. In this world, I know you will have trouble. But take heart. He has overcome the world. And one last thought. It's the rest of that thought. There's a limit to suffering. There's a limit to it. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us one day. It, it is just going to be absolutely amazing. As a matter of fact, he goes on in another book and says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. I mean, that's how amazing it's going to be. Someday we're going to get reunited with the tree of life and everything is going to be okay and the happily ever after part can start to happen in our lives. And there will be no more crying or pain or death or mourning because... John tells us the old order of things has passed away and he who is seated on the throne says, I'm making everything new. Someday it's all going to be over. You can learn from it, you can grow from it, but someday it's all going to be over. And right now God's going to help you with it. Again, I, I feel a little bit like a hypocrite when I get up and talk about suffering if I'm not suffering at that moment. So let me read to you a brilliant quote from Johnny Erickson Tata who's a wonderful godly woman that was injured in a diving accident when she was a kid and has been in a quadriplegic for 40 years. She said, what I want to do when I get to heaven is I want to take my really old, clunky, dusty, bulky wheelchair that I've got at home and I want to take it to heaven with me. She said, I know it's not theologically correct to take a wheelchair to heaven, but if I could, I would, because when I get to my resurrected body and as soon after I've gotten up off my grateful, glorified knees, I want to stand up next to Jesus and say, Lord, do you see that wheelchair right there? Well, you were right when you said in this world I will have trouble, because that was a lot of trouble. But Lord, the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. And I just don't think I would have realized the depth and the wonder and the joy and the peace and the amazement of your grace if it weren't for that awful thing. And I just wanted to bring it up here so I could tell you, thank you for this gift that you gave me of living more than four decades in that wheelchair so that I could come to know the nearness of you I could know your sweetness, your sustaining power, your peace. And now, Lord Jesus, you can send that thing to hell. My brother and my cousin and I, we were in Dallas, Texas at a conference. It was a great conference. We were having a great time. And so we were heading back to Oklahoma. It was just a really nice time, a nice afternoon, clear skies. And uh, just, uh, it was just kind of a great day. And uh, then all of a sudden,
Well, my brother walks in, and uh, I looked at him, and I wondered, what, what's going on? What happened? And then he proceeds to tell me that we were in a car accident. We were outside of Denton. A lady had pulled over in our lane and hit us. We were in a little Nissan pickup, and we rolled three times sideways, went in the air 20 feet, came down on the nose of the pickup, and went one and a half rotations. Well, come to find out, what I had done was broken my back. I had three vertebrae that were crushed, which basically bruised my spine. It was really painful. I laid there, and the doctor was working on my back. He had, I had cuts on my back. I had the black top on my back where I was up against the window and the, and the pickup had uh, rolled when it rolled. And he was actually sewing up my back because of the cuts that were on my back. So my brother walks in, and so he was more concerned about my boots. Where are my boots? What happened to my brand new boots that I had just purchased and stuff for the conference and stuff? And so the doctor yells at him, and I just saw the face, look on his face and, and you know the concern that he had. And so I really didn't understand the severity of it until several days later. I was in so much pain, I couldn't even move my neck. Uh, every time I moved my neck, the pain was fierce because I, it like ripping my spinal cord out. I've never experienced that kind of pain before. It hurt bad. One of my darkest moments was when I was laying in bed. My mom and dad had driven down from Oklahoma to be with me. And my mom was standing, sitting by my side and one of the things that they did for me was they would prop me up with pillows that would help me move every couple hours. So during that period of time, I reached down and I touched my leg and I looked over to my mom and I said to her, I said, is that my leg or is that one of the pillows? It was really with tears in her eyes. She said, no, it's your leg. I thought, wow, what's this all about? What's going to happen in my life from now on? I ask God, if you're really real, if you're really there for me, reveal yourself. And he did. Being 200 miles away from home, I was there by myself. But God always provides. He provided a young lady that worked at the hospital that would come over every day during her lunch hour and spend time with me in prayer and just being with me. He promised me really that I would never be alone, that he would always be with me. Prior to the accident, I was at Cameron University and I was going to get a degree in teaching education and agriculture. And of course, that changed. And so God had different plans for me. And so what I did was I ended up going to Dallas Christian College to get my Bible degree. That was really tough for me to accept the fact that people would look at me and kind of stare at me and I finally got used to it and I go, why? God's going to use this. My paralysis, me being in a wheelchair, to be able to teach and to help others cope with their tragedies in their life because all of us experience tragedies. I don't think any of us have not experienced tragedy, whether it's a family member or whether it's yourself, and to understand that God is there for them. 
God can use me, even if I'm four foot seven. That's what my tires inflated. Honestly, it's kind of tough pulling my legs off the side of the bed every morning to do the things that I have to do every morning and get to work. But I have a purpose. You see, that purpose is to love people and to love God and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking for that day that I'll be able to stand tall in front of my Jesus. And I can't wait for that day. And I'll be able to go up to him and I'll be able to hug him and thank him and love him for what he has done for me, that he has saved my soul. That's the hope that I have. That's what keeps me going. You know, if your heart is heavy and burdened today, remember what Tim said. Jesus knows your pain and he understands your suffering. The amazing thing about our God is that he, his word says he records our tears. That's how much he loves you. And so Jesus, he took the ultimate suffering for us on the cross. And as we come to communion, let's remember that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for Jesus and for his life that he gave us. He took on our suffering and our pain to the cross. And that's why we celebrate today, because we know he was victorious over the grave. We thank you, Jesus, for doing that. We give you all praise and glory. It's in Jesus' name, amen.